Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Um, title of the message this morning is Unwrapping My Gifts and the Preeminence of Love. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And I really look forward to sharing. If you haven't been um, here for a number of services, then I really encourage you to go to the podcast. We started this journey on unwrapping our spiritual gifts, and we're going to do a bit of an overview of that this morning. Uh, but do encourage you to go to the podcast to get uh, the foundation of where we are, uh, where we've begun, to where we are today, just to help you with that. Um, I have a, quite a bit of scripture to go through this morning, so no apologies for that. I do hope that you brought your Bible. Ah, a man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from what? the word of God, the word coming out of God's mouth. So if you haven't got your Bible, you've probably got your phone and that's all right, but we'll turn to those scriptures in a few moments. Just wanted to begin this morning, but before I do, I want to pray just briefly because I'm hopeful today that the Holy Spirit will do far more uh, than what any person can do. Holy Spirit, I just uh, thank you for this time as we gather around uh, the Holy Word. We pray, Lord, as I speak this morning that you would speak even more powerfully into the lives and into the hearts of your people this morning. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your body. I just pray this morning now, right now, for your anointing as I begin to share in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Um, You know, we started last week and wanted to share again. uh, The the, the question that every Christian must grapple with is, is not this, have I been gifted by God? That's not the question that every believer should grapple with. Have I been gifted by God? The question that every uh, Christian should grapple with is, how have I been gifted by God? And how can I serve others with that gift to the glory of God? That's the question that I believe that every believer should grapple with. God, how have you gifted me? And then how am I to serve others and bring glory to you by using what you've endowed me with? Amen. And it's been our um, hope, um, I believe, over the next coming weeks that more and more of us are going to start to seek God, to start to pursue God, to start to, to uh, seek God into prayer, in prayer as to God, what is it and how is it that you've gifted me as a believer and a, as a follower? And a couple of weeks ago, I said, and I wanted to say again, if you were to ask me today, what is the biggest best kept secret in the church today, I believe it's this, that people don't realize that they are gifted and endowed by God with supernatural abilities. That would be the biggest secret in the church today. A lot of places, churches, people, Christians, we don't talk about it enough, but that is the biggest secret today that God's people have been gifted and endowed. In fact, I would say that Satan's greatest ploy is to blind the believer of their true potential, is to cover their eyes, is to deceive them into thinking that yes, they're saved and they're on their way to heaven and that's good and that's great. But more than that, that God has gifted us with a supernatural endowment. Amen. In fact, Paul teaches the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, he says this to the church, and he's saying this to us today by the Spirit of God. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. 
to not know or to understand. That's the outline or the introduction in this text of Scripture from Paul to the early church. And I believe that it's so important for us to understand today that we are not to be ignorant of the supernatural endowments that God has entrusted to us. Amen. Hallelujah. In fact, listen to a command from the Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. The New King James Version says this. It says, as each one has received a gift, minister, serve one another as good stewards slash managers of the manifold grace of God. I love that there. It says that as some have received a gift. Is that what it says up there? A chosen few has received a gift. The ones God really likes have received a gift. The bald people in the church have received a gift. Didn't shave my hair this morning, I should have. It's getting in my eyes, get it out of the way. The super good looking people in the church have received a gift. No, the Bible says this very clearly. As each one or everyone has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God has graced every believer. The day that you got born again, the day that you confessed your sin to Jesus Christ, the day that you asked Him to become your Lord and Master, not only did He save you, not only did He cleanse you, not only did He forgive you, not only did He give you the gift of eternal... Thanks for praying with me this morning too, David. Amen. Not only did He give us a gift of eternal life, but the Bible says that at that point, at that very time, He endowed us with supernatural abilities. So you were born again. Jesus said it in John chapter 3, unless a man or woman is born again, they shall by no means be able to enter the kingdom of God. When you got born again, you didn't just get saved, you got endowed from heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Great thought. I'm having more fun than you are, I think, so far. So a little thought, why don't we use our gifts? Well, some of the things, some of the Things that hinder us, um, firstly, we're too busy. We lack confidence. We think things like we're not good enough. Uh, We're not positioned. In other words, we're not in an area where we're serving. I've found that when you start to serve in the area that God's called you to, the gift of God just starts to operate through you. So some people aren't using their gift because they're not positioned, they're not serving. Another thing could be unconfessed sin. There's stuff going on that you're hiding and as a result of that, that will stop the flow of God's grace um, through you and to you. Uh, you could be self-absorbed. You might be just so, so caught up in your own world that you've forgotten the fact that God has called you to serve others with the gifts and the calling that He's placed upon your life or you could be ignorant. The whole journey of this um, series is so that we come possibly from a place of being maybe to some degree a little bit ignorant to a place where we fully understand and appreciate the gift of God on our lives and the thought that we're meant to use it for His glory. Amen? In the first week, I wanted to recap again because I just believe it's so important we get the understanding of the word gift. The word gift is used in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, as each one has received a gift. Then in Romans chapter 12, it says, as each person has been given a gift, use it. The definition of that, that, that Greek word um, in both instances is the Greek word for charisma, K. H-A-R-I-S-M-A, I think it is, but Rachel will correct me this week, hopefully. 
but we would say it as charisma. And that word there, charisma, is talking about a, 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 a gift that God has given us. You have a charisma, and the definition of the word charisma in the Greek, out of those two scriptures there, miraculous faculty and inherits spiritual power. Or spiritual endowment, ability possessed or inherited by someone. Or the other definition of that word in the Greek is religious qualification. Hello, ministers. How are we all? Morning, ministers. I hope we are all well. You get it this morning? People call me minister. We're all ministers. Hallelujah. In fact, listen to this little truth bomb this morning. We are not just sons and daughters of God. We are ministers for the Almighty, sharing the gospel, using the gifts He has empowered us with. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You're a minister of God, endowed with a supernatural faculty or an endowment. Do you know what it is this morning? If you don't, then I believe through this journey you're going to discover what the gift of God or the gifts of God are that are upon your life. In those references in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, um, and Romans chapter 12, these, these are possessed. The, the, these gifts live within us. In other words, they're our possession. They're imparted into our lives on the point at that day when we are born again. Amen. Have you got that this morning? Okay. So in week one, we did an overview of the three groupings of Scripture, and we want to just go over them again just to give you a bit of an overview of that. Uh, in week one, we did an overview of the three areas, and I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4, 5, and 6, and then just explain it briefly. It said, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities. So number one, the first grouping of gifts that we will be looking at uh, is number one, motivation gifts. It says that there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. The reference from that is Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8. I'm giving it to you so you can look at it later. But in that definition there, the word gift is defined as charisma, our possession. Hallelujah. Then the second area is ministry gifts. There are difference of ministries, but the same Lord, referring to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 again. And the reference for that is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, doma, which means to bestow or grant upon. We're going to do a little bit of an overview of what that is in a minute, so don't go away, just stay there, amen. Then number three, next weekend we're going to be looking at the manifested gifts, where it says, and there are diversities of gifts and activities, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through to 10, and that's a mixture of charisma and doma, amen. Charisma and Doma, a mixture. So last week we looked at the ministry gifts. We did a, an overview of the ministry gifts and we'll touch a little bit on that. But in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8, the Bible states this. When he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men and women. Looking at this verse in context, we see that after Jesus ascended to the Father... He presented gifts to people who were called and gifted to lead and train the rest of the body of Christ. You know, this morning, I'm not even going to be able to try and describe or try and unpack. But I was at City Surf yesterday and I was reflecting on that picture where Jesus ascended to heaven and stood before the Father and then gave these gifts to the church. I, I just thought, wow, 
if, if, I can't even put words, but you imagine it. Jesus, you know, he ascends on high, he stands before the Father, then he rele- releases these, these, these special presents to the church. We know them as the fivefold ministry. I'm going to touch on them a little bit. Doma, an anointing, a presence that God puts on people's lives for the purpose of edifying and building the church. I thought the plan of God is so amazing. It's incredible. He Doma, he places this anointing on a person, their job and their calling is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. Why? Because within the saints, there's gifts that need to be drawn out and encouraged so they can use them like Marvel on your shirt there. Isn't he a superhero? (laughs) Doma. Doma. So I love that thought there. In Ephesians chapter 4, the purpose of the ministry gifts is clear. I'll read it to you this morning. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers, some for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. What's the point of it all? Listen to it. To the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. The purpose of the gifts of God is the building up of the body of Christ. Amen. When we're all full of the understanding of the gift of God and we're using our gift to serve the body, the body gets built up, is healthy and strong and is a true representation of the church to the world. Amen. True representation of the church to the world. These are known as the fivefold ministry gifts, as I said, Doma but equally could be called equipping and enabling the saints to do the work of ministry so that Christ's body on the earth can function as he sees it. So it's important to note this morning that these gifts here in Ephesians chapter 4, these gifts are not the possessions of people. They are the things, not, not the things that belong to us, as we said in 1 Peter chapter 4, Romans chapter 10. Rather, they are people who are gifted and anointed to be equippers of the rest of the body. Amen? I hope I'm not information overloading. Are we all good? Hallelujah. I want to make just a, a note this morning. Um, nowhere in the New Testament is God's church referred to as an army. Okay? Nowhere in the New Testament do you find that, in my version anyway, the New King James Version that I love. Amen. It's the best one, the only one, the preeminent one. Anyway, move on, shame. Nowhere in the New Testament is God's church referred to as an army, but in Paul's letters, he regularly referred to the believers as soldiers of the living God. So I would propose this morning, before we move on to the main topic today, that the fivefold ministry gifts are like generals in God's army. They are the doma, the present to the body, and the special equipping and the, and the enabling of the saints. Amen? The Spirit of the Lord comes down upon them. The Doma, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, the Doma comes upon them. They're anointed by God to do the work of the ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, it never ceases to amaze me. We have um, times where I I go to Vanuatu. As soon as I get off the plane, I feel a, a different anointing on my life. It's different anointing to hear when I go. It's like a, a, a special anointing. Like, a, like I, I, I just think differently, act differently, speak differently, speak with a boldness, say things to people that I probably would never say here, but there's a doma that comes upon me. 
And you know, if you look in the Old Testament, you'll see time and time again, there were instances where the Spirit of the Lord would come upon people. Amen? A special anointing would come upon them. We see in Numbers chapter 11, uh, the Doma, the Spirit of the Lord came upon the 70 elders. In Judges chapter 6, we see the Spirit of the Lord came down upon Gideon. In Judges chapter 14, verse 6, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. Same with the Doma, God anoints people for certain times and seasons. And that's why I believe last week we spent quite a bit of time on talking about honour and the importance and the place of honour. If we want to receive the Doma, the gift of God, through the people that God sends to our lives, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, then we must make sure that we have a heart of honour because honour is one of the greatest conduits within the kingdom of God in receiving what God has for us and being able to be used by God from which God has put within us. Amen? Honour is so important. And we spent the whole time last week looking at that as well. Next week, as I said, we're going to look at the manifested gifts and how they work and they operate in the church. But today I want to just spend some time looking at the permanence of love and how important love is. And I've got like 10 minutes to do that in and it'll be impossible, but we'll just touch on a few little thoughts that might just um, um, tickle our fancy, if I could say that this morning, just to get us thinking a little bit. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul outlines the work of the Spirit of God in the church, the, uh, the need for the church to work together as a complete functioning body. He warns about schism, divisions in the body. If you're a gossip, go. If you're divisive, there's the door. <laughs> Maybe that same anointing is coming on me now. We love the church. We want the church to be healthy. Amen, Taz. We want it to be just fallen. There's no room for gossips. No room for divisive people in this church here. Amen? None, none whatsoever. So he warns about schisms and divisions in the body. He also speaks about how the Holy Spirit manifests the gifts through the believers for the benefit at all. But it's what Paul says in the last part of chapter 12 that I want to bring your attention to this morning. All right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, the last part of the verse, this is what he says. But earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and I show you a more excellent way. I wanted to look a little bit at that word desire. It's just as a side note. This is not the message. I thought it's interesting. Paul starting the first part of chapter 12 with not being ignorant, remember? And then the last part of chapter 12, he says, desire spiritual gifts see the picture see the connection well i i can and i looked at that word desire and unfortunately when you use a matthew henry's commentary of the bible um, um and some some other resources that i love using they only only bring the definition um to those words in the original king james version so the original king james version that word desire actually says covet and the word in the Greek there means to jealously desire after. Isn't that interesting? Jealously desire after the gifts. But then Paul goes on to say, and yet I show you a more excellent way. 
So in other words, desire the gift of God. That's important. Do that. But I want to show you a more excellent way. So Paul says, desire spiritual gifts in our prayers that we would. But I want to highlight from this, word, this verse here what trumps desire and it is love. Love trumps desire. Honor, submission are all important to the gift of God flowing through us and to us. But Paul outlines in chapter 13 what positions us above everything else, the gifts to be activated in our lives, and that is love. In fact, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 this morning. This is known as the, um, the love chapter. Um, I've heard it read that many times at uh, weddings. Over the years, and it's probably, probably the, the, the most read verses, and unfortunately, many times it hasn't worked. And I don't say that um, lightheartedly either. It's just sad. But we say all this stuff about love, and then three years later, 50% of marriages fall apart in Australia, which is just crazy. So, so, Paul, <laughs> so Paul says, desire spiritual gifts. But yet I show you a more excellent way. So I want to read it through with you this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is what he says. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. Don't, don't zone out. Please listen. Amen. You've probably heard it before. I, um, 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 and of angels. And big, I need a bigger text. I don't need longer arms. That's all right. I've got it now. I'll just stay here. Though I, though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I could remove uh, mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and it is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself and is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Verse 13, I'll go down to and then we'll come back up. And now abide faith, hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. Honour. One of the things that we need to be aware of and to be developing in our hearts, in our families, in our relationships. Love. Love. We need to be fully aware of the importance and the place of understanding what God's love is. God's love towards us so that we can show it to one another as well. Let me move on. So love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. What Paul is basically saying is when Christ is returned, there will no longer be the need for the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? Because we will be in His presence. Then it goes on and starting to talk um, in verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I came a man. I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror, but then we see face to face. Now I know just as in part, but then I shall know uh, as I also am known. Paul there talking about 
uh, Christ's return and no longer the need for the gifts of the Spirit and the church coming to that place of perfection that God promised that it will come to. Amen. So, we're almost completed this morning. Happy about that? There are four definitions of the word love in the Bible and I just want to present them to you this morning. I want to present the first three to you, the first definitions of love. Um, I want to bring the first one to you is storge, I think. That's how they say it. Storge. Um, love, affection, especially of parents and children. Yeah? That's the first definition. The second one is... Phil- Phil- Rachel... Philia, affectionate regard, friendship, usually between friends. You know, you've got a good buddy, a good girlfriend, a good guy friend, philia. Then eros is the third definition. It means love, mostly of sexual passion. That's great when you're married. Amen? But before we look at the fourth definition, the meaning of love, I want to share two verses of Scripture with the word love in them. They are the commands and the same definition to the word love that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 12. The word love that Paul uses in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians are the same definition of these words love that Jesus gives us by way of commands. Did you hear that this morning? They're not asks, they're commands. So have a look at them this morning. Next screen if we could. John chapter 15 verse 12, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. John 15 17, These things I command you, that ye, you, love one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, The word love is exactly the same as the commandment to love one another in those scriptures of John chapter 15. Exactly the same definition. We want to finish this morning just by having just a brief little look at this because I think the more that we understand how we are to love one another, I believe the more of the grace and the and the outworking of the gifts of God that we will see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) So 1 Corinthians 13, John 15, a definition of one word, agape love. That's the fourth biblical definition, agape love. The definition or the description of it, desires only the good of the one loved. It is a consuming passion for the well-being of others. Agape love is unmerited, gracious, and constantly seeking the benefit of others. It is a love with no conditions. We are to love others with agape love, whether they are fellow believers or bitter enemies. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Jesus gives the greatest description of agape love in the story of the Good Samaritan um, in Luke chapter 10, I believe. You could go there and have a look at it, but he, he talks about a love in action. Agape love 
is unconditional love. This is how God has called us to love one another. Agape love as modeled by Christ is not based on a feeling. Rather, it's a determined act of will, a joyful resolve to put the welfare of others above your own. Is that challenging in today's culture? Hello, isn't that, isn't that not a huge challenge? I know how selfish I am. But he calls us to unconditional love towards one another. Paul was urging the early church in his writings and each of us today that the more that we love each other, the more the gifts of the Holy Spirit will flow through us and to us. Amen. Open up your Bibles this morning if you would. 1 John chapter 3, I believe. Chapter 3 and verse 16. Say, I when I found it. We, we come to church and um, we, we view church, uh, some people view church like a restaurant. I feel like a bit of um, spicy food. I'll go to the Pentecostals. I feel like a bit of, um, oh, I better be careful. <laughs> I'm just getting into trouble. I'm just getting into trouble. I'm not going there. <laughs> Other people come to church and they just, they just see churches, you know, we'll, I like hanging out with these people because we have a very similar worldview. It's cool. Some people come to a church and, and, and they see it as a place to connect. They're all good things, but I want to say this to you this morning. God sees us as a family. He sees us as his children. And we are meant to, we are commanded by Christ to love one another with an agape love and unconditional love. You see, if we could do that, we would change this city. And I'm not saying we're not a loving community. I'm not saying that we're not on the journey. I'm saying, you know, we're so blessed. We are a beautiful church community. We really are. But I just know that if we could just continue to up the ante of agape love towards one another, what could God do in that atmosphere? Amen? Hallelujah. So I wanted to bring your attention to it. Many people know John chapter 3, verse 16. Yes, you know that one. For God so loved the world, hello, that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever should believe in him should not perish. But not many Christians know 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. I'll read it to you and then we'll conclude this morning. Amen. Verse 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. For whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother or sister in needs and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, 
God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandment and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Not always easy, not always simple, but we do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He commanded or gave us the command to. Agape love. Truth bomb and I'll conclude. What you are is God's gift to you. What you make of yourself and how you minister to others is your gift to God. Amen? So are you loving others by using the gifts that God has entrusted to you? Can we bow our heads and pray this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the call and the commandment of heaven to love each other. Today, Lord, we just thank you. We just, we just pray, Lord, that, that, that you just help us to up our commitment to loving one another as you've loved us with agape love, unconditional love. So this morning, Lord, I just thank you. I pray today that you would continue to open up our hearts our spirit, our soul, our mind, our body to the endowments that you've given us today. And I pray that in Jesus' mighty and spectacular name. Amen.